Hi guys, I'm Coach Desi and this is Post Stop to Won't Stop. I'm a physician assistant who fell in love with bariatrics while working with a surgeon here in Florida. Finding ways to help my patients in their journey has always been my priority. I'm now a personal trainer who works with clients to help them reach their goals and stay on track after their surgery. Post Stop to Won't Stop was developed to allow patients a platform to share their stories and to help educate people on the process of weight loss through surgery. Let's listen to real people share their wins and losses and learn what really happens in the journey after surgery. All right, everybody, today I have a wonderful guest coming to us from California. He is a success story over 10 years in the making, and we are, are very excited to hear his story. Please welcome my friend, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to interview you. There's some really good stuff that we're going to go over, but let's just start with your story. Share with us your journey. Okay. Well, my story, you know, like, um, my being my story, I don't think it's like it's special. I mean, I have other people tell me that it's special, but I guess it is special. <laughs> well, anyways, I've suffered from, uh, I've been suffering from the disease, obesity, and uh, it's been the last few years I realized that it is a disease. I've learned throughout, I've gotten more information and I realized, you know, this is a disease and I've suffered it uh, all my life. When I was a uh, younger, probably uh, in elementary, that's when I start really looking back and thinking I was always a heavy kid. I was always the one not chosen for to be in sports or because they knew that I couldn't run fast enough or what have you. And I think what happened was um, I used to, the more people would um, confront me about my weight, like relatives and friends, I would eat more as a way of rebelling. rebelling. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I just got heavier and heavier. And I really wasn't into sports or nothing like that. So um, the weight, I just kept gaining weight. Then when I got to high school, I was I was quite heavy. But I had friends and everything. I was always uh, considered like um, the, the you know the, the 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 happy fat overweight <laughs> best friend. I hate using that word, but I mean that's what it was. That's what it is. And um, I struggled with weight all my life. I'm 53 years old right uh, this year. I'll, I'm 53. I'll be 53. I'm sorry. And um, basically about, obviously I'm 10 years out. So 10 years ago, I finally made the decision to do something about it medically, to do something about my weight. And I knew I had to go the medical route. Uh, I remember when my, first, when, when, my, when my doctor first brought up gastric bypass, I said, oh no, I can never do that to myself. I won't be able to eat anything. I won't be able to do anything. That doesn't even sound right. And that was when I had a gallbladder removed. And then fast forward a few years after that, I had a few, what you can call um, aha moments. And we discussed that a few days ago, I guess. Uh, my aha moments was, um, one was medical. I found out that I had lymphedema in my legs, especially my left leg. And I kept on going to the doctor because my leg kept swelling. And all I kept on hearing was, oh, you need to lose some weight. You need to do this. You need to lose some weight. It wasn't so heavy. You wouldn't have this. What have you? So finally, I was referred to a doctor, and he was excellent. He told me what I had. He diagnosed the problem. He said, it's not your veins. It's not this and that. You're not going to lose your leg. He was very honest. He said, but you, um, you have lymphedema, and it, it could be treated. It's a chronic disease, so it's not going to go away. He explained that the lymph nodes are damaged, and once they're damaged, they're damaged, and the fluid doesn't go up and down like it should be, like it should, and um, that's why it 
basically it puddles toward the bottom. That's why your leg and your ankles swell up so bad. You primarily have your left leg. And he goes, but like I said, it's treatable. You'll have to get compression garments. But he really took the time to listen and explain it to me rather than just tell me, you just need to lose some weight. Stop eating so much. You need to start exercising. You need to lose some weight. Because that's all you hear. That's all I heard for, for years. And I tried every diet in the book. Like I said, when I was, uh, my mother was taking me to Weight Watchers. And then uh, this girl was there. She was in my class and she was there. And she like got so like, she like got up and hid. And then I never even, she never talked about it. And I never talked about it with her, but um, she was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. And just all kind of just like little fad diets, nothing worked. And then I um, found out about the, I was referred to a gastric bypass surgeon. He explained to me how it would all work out. So I decided to get the root and why. And like I said earlier, I had two aha moments. The medical one was a lymphedema. And then the other moment was I was watching uh, my friend's um, sons. They were, uh, we were getting ready to go to watch their dad in a concert band. And he said, can you pick them up? Can you watch them for a little while and take them over to, to, the, to the band, to the, to the uh, production with, with you? And I said, sure. So I must have brought some shoes or something. I was changing and then I kind of fell, not, I didn't fall, but I got down on the ground or something like that. But anyways, I couldn't get back up. Even with the couch, I couldn't lift myself up. I said, I can't, you know, so the boys said, what can we do? I said, don't do nothing. I'm just gonna probably have to call 911, which I did. And that was embarrassing. But the paramedics, the firefighters, they were real cool. There were like three or four of them. And they just got, they knew how to do it. They manhandled, they just knew how to do it. And I, they lifted me right up and I was, it was great. But my pride and my, I was embarrassed. So soon after that, I went to uh, my physician, my, through my insurance and went to the um, options classes. That's what they call it through Kaiser. And um, I took the classes and I lost a little weight during the classes. And then when the classes were over, I said, I have to be serious about this. And then I had to go through all the medical tests, the psychological um, evaluation, um, all the blood tests, all the heart tests, all the treadmills, all that stuff, cardiac tests and things like that. And I finally had the surgery February 2011. And it changed my life forever. <laughs> it, uh, Happy 10 year anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Yes. I have no regrets about it at all, about the surgery. Um, you know, I didn't have really any major um, side effects. I mean, any complications. I did have to have, while I was there at the hospital, I did have to have a hernia repair because I kept hiccuping. And I said, this isn't normal. And I usually uh, share this story because I want people to know the whole, it's not always just perfectly smooth. I had a mild complication. It was a hernia. I had to go in and repair it real quick through a previous incision, through my gallbladder incision. So it wasn't that bad. And um, after that, I was fine. I went home and started my journey and um, changed my life. That's great. That's great. And so there's so much to get into here. So let me start with what things have changed for you and, I, you know, obviously people want to know what your weight loss was. For me, I always like to talk about non-scale victories because I feel like we're so driven in numbers. Um, and without getting too involved, I don't think numbers is where health lies. Health is not a number. You know, it's being able to, to move. It's being able to do things in your life that you weren't able to do. To me, that's health, right? I mean... It's not, and does that lay at a number of 250 pounds? Maybe. 
I don't know. If you were previously four or 500 pounds, it might be at 250. Um, is that at 189? It might be. You know, I don't like to put a number on things. I know that the audience, people always want to know the numbers. So if you feel comfortable sharing the numbers, go for it. But I also want to hear what kind of non-scale victories you were able to experience in your journey. Okay, definitely. I'll share that with you. I like the way you put that. Uh, it's not all about the numbers. Uh, because uh, I have, I'm lucky I have a doctor who uh, pointed that out to me. I told him that, um, you know, I'm suffering a little weight uh, regain and I want to get down to X amount of weight. And he said, Kevin, he goes, I don't think that would be a healthy weight for you. I think that would be probably too thin. I said, well, according to this, these textbooks and what have you, I should be like 155 or 160. And, I, and he goes, Kevin, you know how hard it's going to be, number one, to even achieve that and then to maintain it, let alone how are you going to look when you're that thin? Well, to, uh, to get back to um, my weight loss, my highest weight was about 420. And the low, I lost about 220 because I always hovered around 200. So that's why I say 220. But my lowest weight was about one, probably like, like 95. Mm -hmm. And I felt good. I felt okay, but it was hard to maintain that. And I said, why can I, again, the book says I should be 165, 150, 165, 170, whatever. He goes, like I told you, it's going to be hard to maintain that. He goes, you're having trouble maintaining the 190-something. Yeah. So maybe 200 is going to be your um, good weight. And I was happy at 200. I mean, it wasn't, no, I wasn't going to, I'm never going to be 155. I'm never going to be wearing probably those Ricky Martin jeans. <laughs> those of you who remember him. <laughs> but uh, I'm never going to, I used to always say that I'm going to get down to a Ricky Martin size. And I always try to picture people that's a whole nother topic of, there's a name for that. I can't think of it right now. Body dysmorphia. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I can get to that later. But um, cause I, I'm kind of going through that because I have some plastic surgeries done also. We can talk about that later, I guess. But um, yeah, 220, I lost about 220. But um, the, 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 um, my non-scale victories are being able to, uh, I can uh, travel on a plane without buying two seats. I don't have sleep apnea anymore. I used to have to try that CPAP machine and I never would, I never fully ever used it, which was dangerous, but I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep with that. I just, it was always uncomfortable. That went away when I lost the weight. Um, just being able to travel, be happy to do things, uh, to buy clothes that uh, made me look better. But the health issues, uh, not, I'm gonna always have high blood pressure because it's in my family but I don't have to take as much as medication as before. Mm -hmm. I prevented diabetes from being a full-blown diabetes. I was like, I guess they call it pre-diabetic, but now my A1C is uh, like 5.3 or 5.5. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things like that. My, my cholesterol is always, he said that's hereditary cheat probably. So, um, but it's, it's under 200 right now. So I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And those are my, those are the important ones because it's going to help me hopefully live a longer life yeah. and um, be healthy. That's what it's all about. But don't get me wrong. Uh, there's a little vanity here and there. And that, that's another issue. I had to have, I, I had skin surgery finally. I waited like a long time to do it. And I finally had the excess skin removed around my abdomen. I had like a 360 body left and I had my chest redone. And um, I didn't do my legs because I was because of the lymphedema. I was worried about the leg surgery because mm -hmm. I didn't want to aggravate anything. I might do it before I'm 60. I don't know. I told you I'll be 53 this year. I might do it before um, I'm 60. I don't know. 
I think I'm okay. People say, Kevin, your legs look fine, leave it alone. And that's the body issue that I'm having. I, I see myself and I still not fully happy. Mm-hmm. And I feel then I feel bad and guilty. I feel like I'm being I'm being unselfish. I'm being selfish yeah. because God has enabled me to go through all these surgeries, never major complications, no infections, no anything that I hear these horror stories about people and the, the recovery is just awful. And I said, I didn't, I'm being honest, I didn't really have um, any type of medical complications and all my surgeries I got through pretty well and I was able to take care of myself. And, and, then, I, and then I turn around and I'm upset because I don't look the way I thought I was going to look. <laughs> And I get into those like little moods. I go, what, what am I doing to myself? I, I and then there's days where I feel, I look at myself and I realize, wow, <laughs> I am. You know, people, Kevin, you're skinny now. And I, I never thought people would say, Kevin, you're skinny. It's, I don't know. I guess it's going to always, maybe that's always going to be there with me. I don't know. You know, it's really hard. Um, first of all, yes, you are really fortunate because even the the taking the skin removal surgery is also a very big surgery. The drains and all of that, that's a big surgery too. Yes, you are very blessed to have gotten through three major surgeries associated with this with, you know, without any complications. So that's great. Um, I think you have incredible physicians, first of all. I mean, just the way they've handled you through this process has been amazing. And and we're going to get to that in a second. But in regards to, you know, talking about the battle with, the, the mental aspects of seeing how you look, but mentally you see yourself differently, you know, and, and realizing that you're skinny and it's hard, it's hard to, to put that label on yourself. And it's, you know, I, I have to put this out there. I guess it's kind of like someone who's been through, I mean, it's, it's almost like a form of abuse, right? When someone's been told that they're stupid and they're not worthy and they're all these negative things and they've been labeled that way people start to believe that's who they are. And that is really hard to break because it's so ingrained. I mean, you started a diet when you were 11, you said? I was in elementary school. So whatever, um, third or fourth grade, you know, and then I had to stop like blame. I go, well, people would tell me, well, you know, don't blame yourself. You know, as a kid, it's not really your fault. It's your mother's fault. And I don't, I don't really want to blame her because like I said, um, I don't want to blame my parents because like my uncles would always tease me, boy, when are you going to lose some weight? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? And I would get upset. And then I would eat, start eating more, doing less, and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I just, it just like snowballed until I was like this 400. And I couldn't believe I, I was 400 pounds when I went to see my, went to see the uh, doctor, uh, bariatric doctor. But he was looking around the room. He goes, I'm looking for Kevin Stevens. And I go, that's me. He goes, oh, I'm looking at your forehead. I go, yeah. He goes, you really don't look that way. But I always found ways to work clothes a certain way because I was always self, always conscious of my appearance. Mm-hmm. And um, he you ever look 400? I go, well, thank you, I guess. I go, I guess that's a compliment, but I was. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's just a realizing that I am thinner. I, there is, like I said, there's days when I look in the mirror and I pass myself in the mirror, walking by the full-length mirror, and I go, oh, I am. I go, why? Wow, I am thin now, thinner. I am thin. I don't, I don't never want to call myself like skinny or things like that. But I don't feel like skinny, but people like make jokes or they make comments. Oh, you're skinny now. Look at, look at skin. Look at you. Look at you. Yeah. You know, it's, so when, I'll, I'll throw this out there. When you pass a mirror, Kevin, I want you to look at yourself and say, 
I'm healthy. And then you whistle at yourself. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I've done that a few times. (laughs) Listen, we just, and you know what? That's what we got to do. We got to keep telling ourselves these things because we've been told something else. And so we've got to create our own narrative and that's how we break out of that's part of the process of breaking out of that. So one thing I want to kind of address with this episode, because we talked about this before we hopped on this. Um, So you, you talked about how awesome these doctors and I, I just, I do. I mean, when you go see your doctors, I know I'm not anybody they know. (laughs) I'm really impressed at how they, um, cared for you, you know, through your journey. And that's not always the case. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a statistic here. 50% of patients reported that they had been stigmatized on multiple occasions by physicians. This is for people who are dealing with obesity being managed by their physicians. This is actually on the Obesity Medicine Association website. 50%, 50% of patients who are dealing with obesity are being stigmatized by their physicians. I mean, that's huge. And so how do we get ahead in in getting people through that and curing this and trying to find resolution when 50% you walk in that door and you've already been judged, you've already been decided on. And and by the way, those aren't great decisions. So they've already decided that you're going to be non-compliant that you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not going to come back in. You're not going to take the medications. You're not going to do all this stuff. And an honest conversation hasn't even happened yet. And I I understand that you've experienced some of this. I've been lucky. Like you said, I've been um, blessed that uh, my physicians, they always gave me options uh, in regards to my weight uh, is when they would send me to try to, um, resolve something I would get this I would get the roadblocks of certain doctors oh you need to get you have a vein problem because you, you know it's because your weight you know it's you're heavy right if you lose some weight you probably wouldn't have had this and, and not my main physicians not the ones I built relationships with they never uh, speak to me like that but it was like usually the, the referrals and what have you and uh I think to resolve some of those issues I think these doctors need to be re-educated need to go to some of the support groups and sit in and listen to what uh, we go through, what our struggles are. And they have to realize they can't always blame everything on weight. And I, the, the doctor that just, uh, diagnosed my lymphedema, the way he was patient, the way he said, uh, he goes, Kevin, you've seen other people with lymphedema before that are at a normal, what people call normal weight. I go, yeah, so skinny people get it too. You get it from uh, when you're having a, uh, cancer therapy, radiation, um, get it from, um, if you go to third world countries, you might get it. You go, I doubt you've been to a third world country and I doubt you, um, you're not going through any chemo or anything, right? I said, no. He said, so most likely your weight could have contributed to it and the lack of activity, but it's not been proven that. So I can't sit up here and say, textbook, oh yeah, your weight caused it. It probably didn't help your lymph nodes, obviously being heavy, trying to carry all that extra weight, but you can fix this. You can, um, stop the progression and it's losing weight it's probably going it's going to probably going to help he didn't say it's no guarantee because it doesn't go away it just i still get flare-ups not well not really flare-ups but if i lay down too long or if i don't wear my compression stockings because i wear them when i wear my pants i always wear my compression stockings but i like to wear shorts a lot so obviously i don't want to wear the compression stockings and shorts so um it's never really going to go away but it's nothing like it was when i was um 420 pounds 
I mean, it was my legs were like tree trunks almost. They were yeah. huge. And they're like a normal size now. You can't, people tell me now, Kevin, if you didn't point that out, we really wouldn't notice any difference in your legs. By you pointing it out now, I can see this one is a little bit larger, but we really wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. But it's an education, to get back to the original question, the education, the doctors need to be educated. They don't, some of them just want a quick, um, they don't take time to listen. They just want to automatically just say it's the weight. And I've been lucky. I haven't gone through too much of that, but I've heard a lot of my uh, friends that I've made throughout the years at the various weight loss uh, conventions and um, seminars and what have you. They tell, they, I hear all these like horror stories. And I go, oh my yes, God. they and are horror stories. Horror stories. Cringy. Yeah, they're cringy. Right when they walk in, I don't have nothing big enough to, for, for you. Oh, this is going to be a problem because I don't have a table big, that big. I go, the doctor said it right when you walked in. He goes, yep. Yeah. I've I, I just been lucky. Like I For MRI, I had to go to a special. I had to get an open MRI because I was so big I couldn't get through the tube. But they didn't uh, degrade me and make me feel less than because he just said, oh, you know, that tube is probably going to be too small. We're going to send you to an open MRI, so we have to get approval from your insurance. My insurance has been great. I've never had any problems with my insurance. But they made it. They worked with me. But I heard people, oh, no, they told me that you're too big. You're not going to I can't even do an MRI on you. You're too big. Oh, wow. Why did you just get an open MRI? Well, yeah, finally I did, but he made me feel so ashamed that I couldn't get a regular one because a regular one costs less than the open. The open one, they do charge more. You know, insurance companies, it's, a, it's all about money. But they made the patient, they made my friend feel less than and ashamed. And she's already feeling bad. She's heavy. Yeah. And yeah. It's sad. Mm -hmm. It is. I agree. You know, as a clinician, being on the other side of it, it's, it's so interesting. I, I'll get patients that come in and you can just feel the tension. They're just waiting. They just know the clinician's going to ask them, right? They don't want to be asked. It's just this awkward tension. And, and so I try to put patients at ease and, and just come with an open heart and just be an accepting person. All of us, all of us have issues. All of us. The unfortunate thing is with obesity, it's a visual people can see it. And that, mm -hmm. that's the worst part about it is that it's not like, you know, someone who has hypertension, no one can see hypertension, can't see certain diagnoses. So it is, it is tough. And, and that's the whole purpose for this series and me starting this podcast was to get these stories out, to understand what it is, what it's like to go through this process and this journey with someone who's dealing with obesity. And I think more people need to hear these stories to say, wow, people are treated this way, for one, <laughs> or two, wow, weight loss surgery is really a, a like viable and successful way of treating this. And wow, like, I think there's not only stigma, there's stigma behind obesity itself, but now there's stigma behind the surgery, which is insane. You're darned if you do and darned if you don't. So we're going to want to give you their two cents on why you're, you know, dealing with obesity, why you have obesity, this, that, and the other, then you're going to get everybody's two cents on, oh, well, you, you shouldn't have surgery because this, that. So I appreciate your honesty and, and sharing these experiences because I think that's the way that we're going to help move the dial into a more positive direction and help more people that are dealing with this. So I appreciate that. Can I add something real quick? Some people are quick to say, um, and I had friends and 
uh, uh, colleagues and what have you say, oh, you took the easy way out. Well, that was easy. Oh, how do you do all that way? And I, I, I'm not ashamed to tell them it's gastric bypass. And I'll tell them and they'll say, oh, you took the easy way out. And I, and I used to, that used to upset me, but then it's about the education. It's about, um, I wouldn't really consider the easy way out because you know, this is why I went through X, Y, and Z. I go, you really think that's easy? You know, that's not really easy going through a surgery that you can, you know, there's a, you can die from any surgery. Once you go under anesthesia, you can die. Or you can get an infection or you can whatever. So it's not really that easy. It was like a tool. Some people get it and they understand it and they get they even get apologetic. And I go, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to scold you. I'm not angry. But I used to at very at the very beginning of my journey, I would get angry because I would go, people, oh you took the easy way. Oh, that's the easy way out. So you just don't eat no more. You can't eat no more. I go see that's not true. I can eat. You have to eat to live. Every human has to eat. I might not eat as much as I did before, but you know, after ten years, you you, you almost can eat as, as much as you did before, which makes the struggle harder. So it's not it's not an easy way out. You know, I wanna I wanna touch base a little bit more on the dieting that started early in your childhood. Um, so I guess I mean you're the I just this came up for the first time. We didn't talk about this the first time we, we were on the phone. 11, that's, I mean, that's young. That You're learning. Whatever age you are around fourth or I was, I remember the young girl, the young lady, my schoolmate. Yeah, it had to be, I was in the fourth or fifth grade. That's nine or 10. Yeah, nine or 10, yeah. And uh, yeah, we went to Weight Watchers. And then after that, it was a, uh, all kind of like little bad diets. And as I got older, I was able to go to the library and get books on my own. And it was all these like weird cracker and marshmallow diets and all these like weird little bad diets where you lose a few pounds so that you gain it right back. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really nothing healthy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember the doctors when I was growing up, they didn't, really didn't put me on any type of nutritional. So that's why I'm really an advocate for the childhood obesity. Because yeah. it, it starts when you're young. You got to get moving and you got to watch what you eat and have the fruits and stuff. And and I have to admit, you know, I grew up in a household. It was a typical, uh, how should I say it, uh, African-American family. And uh, we, the, the diet isn't always the most healthiest diet. You know, there's a lot of fat. It's a lot of good food, though, and I, yeah. I love it still. I love it still. I, I've modified a lot. I don't use, I, I'll use coconut oil or grapeseed oil rather than using that, uh, that lard. Lard, exactly, or that red brick lard, you know. <laughs> and, you know <laughs> don't get me wrong, you know, I love my, you know, food and, and my heritage and everything, but, you know, some things weren't healthy. But I had a grandmother that lived to 90, she lived to be 92 years old. She ate everything that she wanted to eat, and she didn't worry about all that stuff. Is there are there resources? Is there a a an organization that focuses on obesity and minority populations? Well, that's a good question because there's not that many. However, Obesity Action Coalition. Are you familiar with the OAC? Yes. They're very uh, political and what have you. They're very um, advocate driven. Mm -hmm. And they go to Congress and things like that. Um, they have, and I'm also I'm on a task force actually. That's good. That's, a, that's nice that you brought that up. I'm on a task force. They asked me. I've been a member and I've been going to their conferences for years. And they reached out to me. They have a task force on um, racial bias 
and uh, um, not racism, but how it affects minorities and what have you. But we're trying to reach more of the um, uh, African American community, Hispanic community, and get be more of a voice. Because when a lot of people go to some of these conferences, some of the advertising is usually, and um, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's usually uh, uh, 45 to 55 to 60 um, Caucasian women struggling through their weight. I believe because um, studies show that they're, they're more eager to talk about it or what have you than other people or what have you. But anyways, the advertising is usually geared toward that population. But when you get to the conferences, you see other, you know, you see minorities and what have you, because it affects our communities too. Yeah, The most, the, the statistic most. is, so I, I'm Native American. Okay. The statistic is African-American and Native Americans are the most, uh, the, the largest population that struggle with obesity. It's like 49%. I mean, it is unbelievable. Half of our demographic is dealing with obesity. OAC is really doing some great work. We have the task force, the task group. They're the one of the organizations that already kind of had it anyway, but they're really promoting it with their advertising uh, brochures, their, their monthly um, their monthly flyer that they send out. You see uh, they do uh, videos and stuff that have that reach out to the African American community, and you they really are um, are uh, dedicated to uh, break those barriers and get more uh, people of color into these conferences and what have you. So I really think that's a great. Uh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I guess my my last question here, um, again going back to the fact that you dealt with this as a child. What would you say to parents who have kids that are dealing with obesity? Oh, wow. To answer your questions, I would tell parents you need to um, promote the healthier eating habits. Give them fruits and vegetables. Don't um, sit up there and just give them potato chips and a soda and then just sit them there and have them watch TV because you might be busy or teleworking or whatever the reason might be. You need to really monitor that because uh, it's going to cause issues later. It's going to be harder for them later. Some people, some kids, especially boys, they grow up and they get taller and they thin out and whatever. And it doesn't always happen because it didn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's an education. You got to just inst install the, um, initiate the healthy eating habits while they're young. Introduce them to broccoli and the fruits and the carrots. Don't, because they say, oh, I don't like that. Just keep on giving it to, spice it up a little bit differently, you know, in a healthy way. And they'll start, they'll start enjoying those. I didn't like those foods either. I like them now. But um, as a kid, I wasn't ever like, I don't want to say forced, but it was like, oh, he doesn't like that. But you know, it shouldn't be like that. You should just make it a regular part of the meals. And eventually I'm sure you, they'll start to like it. But they need to take care of it when they catch it. When they, especially like, like I said, but my friend, her little grandson, he's a little, he's cute as can be, but he's chubby and um, you need to catch it while you early and see yeah. all those habits early. Get them active early, but it's a combination of both. Okay, so I lied. I said that was the last question, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is the secret to your success at 10 years? Uh, just always being aware, always being conscious of what I know. It's like it sounds like a little overwhelming sometimes, but but I have to be. I know I have. I don't want to say I have to work 
don't want to use the word addiction, but I like sugar. And I, so I know I know, and carbs is one of my things that well, I'll put the weight on. I have to be aware of what I'm eating. I have to be prepared. Preparation is uh, when I prep my meals and I know what I'm going to eat for the day. I have my food ready for lunchtime. Preparing, uh, being prepared for certain situations, social situations where I know what I'm going to eat ahead of time. And you just have to be dedicated and be mindful of what you uh, consume and what you put in your body. Because you know that chocolate cake isn't good or you just be mindful. Yeah. Try to stay active. I believe when I started gaining weight, when I stopped being active, and that's very important. When I was working out daily, uh, three times a week, I was maintaining my weight and, and, and I was happy. And your mood is also the, the endorphins or what have you when you're exercising makes your mood even better. If you have a stressful day, if you exercise at the end of the day and you get home, from work it also helps but i guess being mindful and being consistent helps you stay on track and just always look back and remember um i keep a thing on the refrigerator of my weight and stuff compared to last year and i go wow i need to do something and that helps also some people do a picture i just do i just the number alone is enough for me i know you should focus on the number but it's the in that particular in this particular case it helps me that's what helps me yeah yeah mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate all this great information you shared. I appreciate your honesty, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you today. So thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you thought of this episode and any ideas you'd like to hear more about. Keep in touch through social via Facebook or Instagram at Coach Desi and subscribe to my newsletter at coachdesi.com. Remember, your journey is still being written.